But my name is Chris Neal, and I do the associate ministries here at Grace, and pumped and honored and humbled to get to be here this morning to share a message with you. Tommy, the lead pastor, he's taking a little break. He'll be here next week. I'm sure ready to go, and uh, I'm just glad to be with all of you this morning. So let me ask you this question. Who grew up with the duck hunting game of the Nintendo version, the Nintendo version of duck hunting? And you were like amazing at this game. The more you played it, the closer you got to the TV. And the more you shot, the closer you... And then before too long, your gun was stuck on the TV, shooting those ducks. Man, I was so good at that game. If only real ducks were that easy. But a lot of people, they practice skeet for duck hunting. And so skeet is where, like these clays, they come from the left, they come from the right, and they, they're just all over the place. And your job is to shoot these clays or these pigeons, and it helps you with duck hunting. And, and I did it a few weeks ago, and I really wasn't that good at it. Yeah. It's very humbling to me because I, I'd shot trap and, and stuff and even coached kids how to shoot trap. But skeet was way different. And trap is where these, these clays, they just go away at this leisurely pace and you just blow them out of the sky. And it's, and it's good, but skeet was really hard. And then for those of you who don't know where I'm going, stick with me. But sometimes when I was shooting this, this skeet the other day, I was aiming out of my left eye, but I'm holding the gun on my right side. And those of you that um, have never shot a gun, that doesn't mean anything to you, but those that have, you're never going to hit anything aiming like that. And so then around Christmas time, I told Katie, I said, I think I need a new shotgun, like a lighter gun to help me be better at this, because this skeet thing's been bucking me. And she's like, what? And I said, and, and, then, and then I said, I think my dominant eye has changed. And almost immediately, the kids and her, they all picked up on this word, dominant eye. Like they didn't care about my Christmas gun needs. In fact, that was totally forgotten about as we moved on. But they were really curious what a dominant eye was. I said, well, you take a triangle and you focus on something across the house and then you bring your hands back to your face and your hands will naturally gravitate towards your dominant eye. And Katie was like, I am not falling for this trick. And I do mess with them sometimes. I said, this is not a trick. She said, this triangle trick is not going to work on me. I said, come on, just try it. So anyway, I had them put a bullseye on the screen for you this morning so we can all find our dominant eye. I can tell you're excited. It's audience participation. So you make a triangle with your hand and you focus so you can see just the little, little yellow or red part. And then you bring those, that triangle back to your face and your hand should gravitate towards your dominant eye. Caleb, I think you're right eye dominant. Good job. So some of you just found your dominant eye. Congratulations. But the other night, <clears throat> no matter how many times I did it, came back to my left eye every time, which is a real bummer because every gun I have is right. Anyway, and then Katie, every time she did it, her hands just came back right to the middle of her cute little nose. <laughs> and then this true story, she goes, you are, e <laughs> you are easily impressionable and easily influenced. And I said, well, I was a little bit offended by that, actually. And then she goes, I am strong-minded, and I am humble, and I don't fall for such juvenile tricks. And I was like, well, thank you very much. But regardless of whether you think Katie and I need counseling or any of that kind of stuff, we can all agree on this this morning, that how you frame what you look at affects how you see it. So how you frame what you look at impacts the way you see it. 
And so when I was doing my triangle hands, I had complete faith that my triangle hands were going to reveal my dominant eye to me. I knew they would. And when Katie was doing my triangle trick, she likes to call it, she had the opposite of faith, which I think is stubbornness. But anyway, regardless of all that, <laughs> can't be talking about that all day. So, but today I do want to talk about faith because faith is a small word, but faith is a big deal. And as you already see, faith's not that easy to understand. It's not that easy to explain. And faith is really kind of hard to apply to our lives in a meaningful way. But how we frame our faith, triangle hands, diamond cutter hands for you old school guys, but how we, how we frame our faith greatly affects how we understand faith and ultimately what we believe faith is. So here's how the Bible explains faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's pretty clear. Or we can say it like this. Faith is confident hope that God is and that God will do what God promised to do. Faith is confident hope that God is and that God will keep God's promises. So faith has two parts. We believe who God is and we believe that God will do what God has promised to do. And so today, I want to use this window frame as an illustration of how we see God. And I think a lot of times we kind of wake up to faith like this, with God's on one side. And maybe you're on the other side, and we're not really sure how to get to God on the other side of this window frame. And so I want to use this quote by Donald Miller from his book, A Million, see, a million Miles in a Thousand Years, is the name of the book, should you want to read it. But when I was reading this book, I really was unaware how staggering life really is. And so this is kind of a long quote, so you might want to close your eyes and just think about this. Or you can just look at me, I guess. But if you think about it, we get robbed of the mystery of being alive. I think we get robbed of the glory of it because we don't remember how we got here. When you get born, you wake up slowly to everything. From birth to 26, God is slowly turning on the lights. And you're kind of groggy and you're pointing at things and you say circle and blue and car and sex and then job and then healthcare. The experience is so slow, you could easily come to believe that life isn't staggering. Life is staggering, and we are just too used to it. That's what Donna Miller... So Donna Miller is saying that life is amazing, and life is wonderful, and life is incredible, and life is confusing, and life is overwhelming. And in this life, we just take each experience as it comes. And in these experiences, we either gain faith in God or lose faith in God because faith is never static. And sometimes life is so big that all these moments, they just kind of bleed together into this one moment and you end up missing and forgetting the fact that life is really quite staggering. And if we don't pay attention and we aren't intentional, the same thing happens to our faith and how we see God. And so I got some pictures here this morning and I'm going to use these pictures to show us 
kind of how we look at the staggering moments of our faith and how they kind of impact our frame of reference as it relates to faith in God. So go ahead and put the first one back up in there. So first, we have this beautiful house here that some of you grew up in. And some of you may have grown up in this beautiful house with with a perfect frame of reference as it relates to the Christian faith. And all of that has impacted how you see your faith. All that impacts how you see God. And some of you, you were raised, you have so much hope in your house that there was a God and that God was real. And you may have even seen God fulfill promise after promise in your family as you were raised in this perfect house. And because of that, your hope in God and your faith in God, man, you've, never, you've just never really wavered in your faith in God And then some of you didn't grow up in a house quite this nice, but it was similar. And you had some Christian faith growing up. And then as you grew up, you you ran into some questions and you ran into some issues. And and that challenged you and and how maybe you framed your faith growing up. And that in turn made you kind of question your hope in God. And all that in turn made you question your faith in God. And then there are some of you here this morning and you didn't grow up in a house like this at all. Like, this is not even close to your frame of reference as it relates to the Christian faith. And now you prayed the prayer and you bought the book and you're trying and you're hoping to have some faith. And you've downloaded the app and you're reading the app, trying to gain faith, trying to understand. But you're just not sure about this whole faith thing. And you're even unsure if God really keeps his promises. And for that perspective, it kind of impacts your frame of reference as it relates to faith in God. And so we're all on this spectrum from the perfect to the not so perfect. We all fall in this spectrum as it relates to our frame of reference about faith in God. And then if that wasn't hard enough, we all had to go to school somewhere. And then some of you were even crazy enough to go to college. And then at school, you heard some stuff that you'd never heard before. And at school, you were taught some things that that you'd never even thought about before. And at school, you see some things that you'd never even seen before. And then maybe your science teacher or your philosophy teacher, they say some things about God and about faith. And all of that kind of challenges your frame of reference. And you're like, were mom and dad right? Were mom and dad right about my faith? Was my Sunday school teacher, was she right? Was he right? And all of that challenges your frame of reference. Every time you build your education, it always impacts the way you see your faith. And then for some of us, we have this religious experience. Maybe for the first time, we have this experience And it makes you question your frame of reference as it relates to faith in God. And then some of these experiences that we have, these religious experiences that we have, they're like so legalistic. And they make us question if God is really that loving. They're so legalistic that, that it makes it seem like God is so angry all the time. And then some of these experiences, God is so loving and God is so forgiving and God is so kind that it doesn't seem to matter how you live or what you do, that God's just kind of okay with everything. And then some of these experiences, they don't really mention God at all. But the people are so loving and so kind, and and you almost question, do I even need God in my life? And all of these religious experiences 
they shape our frame of reference as it relates to faith in God. And then at some point, our lives is screwed up. That's what these, this line's all about. Your life, does anybody's life look like this? Don't raise your hand. But your lives, they just get screwed up at some times. And you're like, what is going on, God? And then you're certain. You're certain if there is a God, he cannot forgive everything that I've done. And so we have these moments where our lives, they get just screwed up. And then we have these seasons where we kind of party and, and live it up. And we have these seasons where we're maybe angry and, and, and like just mad at God. And then we have these seasons where we choose just to be distant from God. And all of that impacts your frame of reference as it relates to how you see God. And then maybe you get the worst news of your life. And your world is shattered. And you get this text or this phone call that, that they don't want to be married anymore. Or he doesn't want to be married or she doesn't want to be married. Or maybe your parents, they did, they finally just split up. Or you find out that it was terminal. And you can't imagine your life without him or her in your life. And all of us have these moments where our lives, they get turned upside down. And now, sure everybody can see. You're wondering if you can even see God at all. And now you're 26 or 36 or 56. And you're kind of thinking through this whole faith thing. And you're wondering, like, what is going on, God? And does my faith even really matter? And our vision of God, it gets really clouded. Because God seems to be on one side of the frame, and we're on the other side of the frame. And some of these seasons, we've chosen this. We've done this to ourselves. Some of these seasons, we didn't choose any of this. It just happened. It's just impacted us. And here we are this morning with a life full of jaded pains. Get it? Somebody will get that on the way home. But for many of us, these experiences have jaded our faith. Even positive experiences have impacted the way we frame our faith as it relates to God. Everything we experience in life, everything we experience either increases or decreases our faith in God. Faith is never static when it comes to the things of God. And here's the cool part about all this is that God knew that all this would happen. God knew all this would happen. God knew that all of this would kind of get in the way of us seeing him. When I turn the, the frame, you, you saw how hard it is to see God now because of all the life that you've lived. God knew that we would have this trouble. And because God desires for us to have faith and because God loves us so much and because God wants a relationship with us, God sent someone to our side of the frame to be a frame of reference. God sent someone to our side of the frame. God sent Jesus to our side of the frame. God loved us so much, he did that. God sent Jesus to our side of the frame. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So God loved us all so much that God sent Jesus to our side of the frame so that we would know with certainty what God looked like. And so we would know with certainty where we stood with God. And that 
is where our basic faith begins. Basic faith begins by believing God sent Jesus to our side of the frame to be a frame of reference. That he sent Jesus to our side of the frame to give us hope. And that God sent Jesus to our side of the frame to fulfill the promises that we see all throughout the Bible. The promises of God. And then Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says this. And in this passage, this passage is challenging us to fix our eyes on Jesus. And God is, is kind of challenging us through this passage to see Jesus as the author and the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And it says this. It says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So in this verse, we learn that Jesus is the pioneer of our faith. And a pioneer is someone who goes ahead, and they set the standard, and they blaze the trail for you to follow. And then also in this verse, we learn that Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. We don't really use that word perfecter much anymore. But a perfecter is someone who brings something to a successful conclusion. So Jesus is the originator. He's the perfecter. He's the pioneer of our faith. Jesus showed us the way, and Jesus finished it. That's what this verse is telling us. So Jesus, triangle hands, diamond cutter hands, is who we will always need to focus on when we want to see God more clearly. Jesus is always who we're going to need to focus on when we want to see God more clearly. And did you know at some churches, the lead pastor, he's just so funny and he's just so relevant and his messages are just so powerful that people actually start fixing their eyes on the lead pastor. And then at some churches, not here, of course, but at some churches, the, the worship team is just so amazing, and their songs are so wonderful, and they're just so talented. And when they sing, you see turtle doves just flying across the room, and, and you just can't get enough of it. And some people actually start to fix their eyes on the worship team. And then at some churches, the associate pastor. He's just so witty and charming. Why is everybody laughing so hard? And then one of us, we mess up and we let you down. Or we're just too dang sweaty up here. I'm working up here, guys. And we're just too dang sweaty. And, and you lose your focus because your focus was on us and not on Jesus. You end up leaving the church and you lose your faith. Because your focus was never properly framed. And so how, how do we do this? How do we keep our faith when all these circumstances of life get in the way? How, how do we keep our faith when life happens? How do we keep our faith when these people, they just keep letting me down? Because they're people. You have to find your way to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And so some of you, you just need to go buy a cross after this, a keychain cross. And every time you see this keychain cross, that's going to remind you. That's going to remind you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Some of you, you need to go back old school and get the WWJD armband. That's right. What would Jesus do armband? It might even be cool again. Who knows? It's been long enough. They could come back around. But every time you see this armband, it reminds you to fix your eyes on Jesus and then some of you have been doing this Jesus thing for a while. And it's just time for you to choose 
to fix your eyes on Jesus, even when your life looks like this. For some of you, it's time to choose to be obedient, even when you don't want to. For some of you, it's time to trust Jesus, even when you can't see everything he's doing. For some of you, it's time for you to commit into some real Bible study and to some real prayer. And that's how you fix your eyes on Jesus. Because when you tell people to fix their eyes on Jesus, they're like, how do I even do that? That was 2,000 years ago. This is how you fix your eyes on Jesus. And then there are a few of you here today, and you're like, man, Jesus is just, just another name to me. Like, I'm not even sure about this whole God thing. And today, all I would ask you to do is just consider Jesus. Just consider looking his way. Just consider Jesus. Because, let's put it like this, there are thousands of pieces of evidence that prove that Jesus was a real man who walked this earth that did great miracles. And then I would ask you to consider his teaching and applying his teaching to, his, to your life. Because every person I know, including me, that has actually taken the time to apply Jesus' teaching to their life, the first thing that happens to them over time is they're a better person. Over time, they become a better person. And over time, they get better at life. And this is how your basic faith is sustained. And also, over time, you start to trust God more. You get more confident in God. You get this confident hope in God because you start to see the promises of God coming true in your life. And it's just like we talked about in this whole series, because you become aware of all this stuff and all these things and all these issues that keep you from God. And then also in this process, you become aware that you got some sin in your life that, that's keeping you from God. And then you humbly come to God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need some help. And that is justification that we talked about just a few weeks ago. And then the Holy Spirit of the living God comes inside of us and starts changing us. And that is sanctification that we talked about a few weeks ago. And this Holy Spirit experience, over time, it transforms the core of who you are. Because now God is in you and not just around you like we talked about last week. And, and as you do this and as you go through this process, all these staggering things and the way you were raised, they're not as staggering as they used to be. And then these religious experiences that, that really hurt. Man, those experiences really hurt me. Or that person really hurt me. They're not as, as painful as they used to be. And then, over time, you take all these experiences. You take all of you and you lay it down in front of God. You take all of you and you lay it down in front of God. And as you do this, over time, your faith in God will grow. And you will start to see God more clearly. And as you do this, your faith in God will grow. And you will start to see God more clearly. You'll see facets of God that you never even knew existed. You'll see God in ways that you never even knew you could see God in those ways. But it all starts with basic faith. And you have to find your way to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And when you do that, you will see God more clearly. 
So at some point throughout this week when life is crazy and life is hectic, I challenge you to do the diamond cutter hands. Just practice with me real quick. Just hold them up. Like, just hold on and say, Jesus. But anyway, at some point, this is going to happen because life happens. People are probably going to make you mad before you get home. I mean, it just happens. Life just happens. And at some point, and I'm going to challenge you this week to diamond cutter it, to fix your eyes on Jesus. Because when you do this, this grounds your faith. This is our basic faith that we're grounded in Jesus. When you do this, Jesus sustains our faith during these difficult seasons of life. And when you do this constantly over time, Jesus will start to frame everything in your life, all the people in your life, and then he'll also frame how you see God. And that's what our basic faith is grounded on. It's where basic faith begins. And so this week, choose to see Jesus. Like really find your way that lets you see Jesus. 